endless possibilities with Catherine Dean. And good morning, Hawkesbury. As uh, I said earlier on, I'll be talking to Susan Templeton to see what she's been doing yesterday, running around everywhere. I bet you were, Susan. Uh, look, I don't know about running because you couldn't move anywhere very far <laughs> yesterday with the rain but yeah. certainly trying to get around to the different areas because yeah. this is a, a wide area affected obviously yeah. by very serious flooding yeah uh, and and yes i mean currently in windsor which is where i stayed the night right. worried that if i uh, went back up to my home in the blue mountains i might have my uh, roots cut off to get yep. back down here this morning. Yeah. Uh, look, tell me, what's the... Okay, first off, did you did you hear from the North Richmond Community Centre, the evacuation point, how they were going there, if they had many people there? Um, so the, I, I, the last information I had, in fact, I'm due to get an update this morning, but the last information that I've had by text was that they managed to accommodate everybody last night. Yep through really great community support and I understand that the Maru Christian Centre offered beds that Loxley on Bell offered beds so there's been as always as you'd expect a very strong community support has kicked in and of course the uh, evacuation centres are being managed by the Red Cross, Anglicare and the New South Wales Disaster Welfare Team Um, so I've been speaking to the head of the team who was for Anglicare who was based in the Richmond one and coordinating the volunteers across the two Um, there's been overnight there were uh, about eight people who slept in the uh, Richmond evacuation centre weren't able to be but by the time they got there weren't able to be accommodated I left there at about seven o'clock at night so they obviously came in later than that yeah but but while I was there a beautiful family um, the Z family had been rescued from their isolated property. They'd been winched in, in helicopter and, and some of them out in the boat. Yeah. Uh, the kids, the kids there's 11 in their family. Wow. Um, their kids are students in local schools. And the kids said to me, I said, well, it's just a little bit exciting. And they said, yes, it was really exciting. <laughs> you know, and that's the, light, that's the light side of what could yeah. have been yeah. a potentially terribly... Um, serious situation for that yeah. family yeah. and I think that they were accommodated but the people who uh, go to the Richmond Centre, they're typically being accommodated in Penrith um, so they're you know, this is going to be the challenge is getting people uh, back into the into their homes and yeah. managing it all from their accommodation in Penrith but you know, what we were all the centre aimed to do was give people a safe, dry place to be, mm. and then to give them a find them a, a safe, secure bed for a couple of nights until these floodwaters settle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do know this morning, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if more happened during the day, but there's already been a few people arrive at Richmond this morning. And they're just looking for somewhere safe and dry. Uh, they're hoping that they don't need accommodation and that they yeah. can go back to their own homes tonight, but mm-hmm. they're just conscious of the evacuation warnings that are in place mm-hmm. for South Windsor, McGrath's Hill, with the Windsor CBD. And they've gone, you know what, we're going to 
get out and, and spend the day at the evacuation centre mm. and we'll just see how the day pans out. Mm. It, it, I was talking to uh, Chief Inspector Gary Sims uh, last oh, yesterday evening, I think it was when I got hold of him, and um, I said to him, I've got, I've got helicopters flying above me. What's going on, Gary? And uh, he told me that Polair was out there uh, rescuing where they could. So this is like the family you're talking about. Yes, I think they, TV News last night showed a couple of rescues. One was of a gentleman uh, down on, and I think both of these families, one's Brendan's Reach, one's Cornwallis. Yep. And he he got the, this gentleman got here, I, I talked to him before he um, left to go to his accommodation in Penrith, and he said he got the text at 2.30 in the morning uh, on Sunday, early Sunday yeah. morning, and he woke up and had a look and couldn't see any water and and didn't really think it was didn't take it um seriously. as seriously yeah. perhaps as he now realizes he yeah. could have yeah. and it wasn't until he woke up a few hours later that he realized there was essentially water lapping around him wow. and what he told me was he wasn't really sure what to do but his mother in shanghai told him to call the SES. yeah so she was keeping a close eye on yeah. him with joys of technology yeah um and this man who lives lives on his own and, and farms his land yep. was able to call out for help. Yep. So I think people who've lived here a long time mm. um, understand a bit more about the river and how it rises. Mm. And this one's obviously been a very quick rise mm. yesterday in particular. Oh yeah. Um, and, and you know not everybody is, is as aware. So when I spoke to the SES this morning their message was please take the warning seriously yes uh and especially the evacuation orders when they even when they happen yes yeah that's sort of i was talking to um david king just um, probably about a half an hour ago and he said the same thing that these warnings are this is a heads up this is what could happen do prepare and then comes the order and i think what's really concerning about that is the fact that because the water was rising very fast yesterday it was the evacuation routes that could actually be impacted so people became isolated yeah look Catherine, i think that's something probably not to to um dwell on a lot right now but Mm. when this is over the evacuation routes feel like a real missing piece of the puzzle that we have here. Yep. You know, it is an area that floods. Yep. Uh, and so you do have to have uh, the investment in really good evacuation routes. Yes. You can see by looking at a map where the road closures are, we know the low-lying bits. Yep. We know the bits that are the weak point. Yep. And you'd have to look at um, places like uh, Hawkesbury Valley Way mm. near the golf course, which... Mm. I reported to police yesterday as the water was starting to lap the sides and I think yeah. within an hour they had that closed. Yeah. Um, because, and people said to me, we don't normally see this. This is unusual. Locals who were there with me at the time yeah. said this is, this is not something we typically see. Yes. But what it shows us is where our weaknesses are, where the otherwise fairly straightforward pathway yes. out becomes a terribly complex pathway out. Yeah. And, and I... You know, I do think it's time to have a conversation about why some of those things haven't been addressed. Mm. I certainly am reading a lot of anxiety and getting messages from people from Bright Park, um, all through, you know, South Windsor, through McGrath's Hill, through yeah. Windsor, Clarendon, just saying, okay, but what if we get cut off? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a conversation to have. You know, yeah. right now we're focused 
on keeping people safe and making right. sure they, they do move early rather than yeah. leave it till the last minute. Yeah. Because while, while the kids might have found it exciting to be winched out, uh, it's, it's really not what we, how we want to see resources used. Um, and so the more people can self-evacuate safely, the better. Look, you could imagine, because I know we're both um, mothers and, um, you know, imagine being in that situation with your children where you're having to rely to get that winching out. It would have been terrifying for them. Yeah, I think for the parents, absolutely. And, uh, you know, talking to the people as they come to the evacuation centre, it does remind me of of what I saw in bushfire evacuation Mm. centres over many years. Mm. It's just that sense of relief. And I I have to say, the Red Cross, the disaster welfare, state government people Mm. and Anglicare are doing a wonderful job uh, of just um, giving people the different support. They all do different things. The Red Mm. Cross registers them. Uh, The disaster welfare people are able to provide some practical support and organised accommodation. Yep. The Anglicare people are there for a sort of the human support in a way. Mm. So it's a it's a lovely combination. The thing I'm going to be concerned about afterwards, I can already see, is just the, the follow-up that happens. And again, we know in the bushfires, once people registered for help, didn't mean that they actually got the help they needed. Yeah. So, you know, these are the sorts of things that we'll focus on yeah. once we're through the immediate yeah, I was talking to Gary yesterday about that sort of after effect too and we were talking about the mental health issues associated with going through a traumatic event of either losing your home or being winched out or trying to get your cattle up or what whatever it yeah. is. And, you know, it was we said yesterday that there's a lot of elderly people in the Hawkesbury and... It's it's good if we could just reach out and say, are you okay? I mean, just to let them know that there's someone thinking of them. Yeah. Do you know, there's a really interesting um, study that you, I know you'd find interesting in the Sydney Morning Herald today about the aftermath of trauma from the bushfires mm. and, and any disaster event mm. on children. Yes. Uh, and, and how it's very different to how it affects uh, adults. Yeah. So... These are the sorts of things you think about. Kids in the Hawkesbury, on on either side of the river, have had some pretty amazing traumatic things happen. Uh, and I, I really think we need to um, take a holistic look at how we support them and their families. Totally. Because mental health problems in children don't just manifest in a school environment. No. Or just in a home environment or just in a sporting environment. No. You know, these are sorts of things as a community to have some strategies to um, support kids along the way so that these events that that have occurred to them don't become life life changing yeah Um, so that's that is another area and I'll be talking to the um, federal health minister about that I'm on a committee that is currently looking at the uh, it's called the Parliamentary Select Committee on Mental Health and Suicide Prevention and we are specifically looking at the reviews that have been done in the context of bushfires and natural disasters and how COVID and disasters have have kind of highlighted even more the things that needed to be put in uh, fast. So so this will be another one of those um, and I'll certainly be trying to have the terms of reference extended to include the floods. Yeah. uh, you, not just the bushfires and that's an inquiry currently underway yeah uh, but we will have time uh, in 
uh, in the next few months to expand it. So yeah. that's already one of the things that I'd like to see happen. Yeah. Federal government has announced that we are considered a disaster area. Now, why yeah. that's important is not because the minister gets to do a media release, but because <laughs> it means that disaster funding becomes available from the Commonwealth government. Mm. And that means anyone who uh, is seriously affected is able to apply for a $1,000 emergency payment. Yeah. Uh, but you have to... the rules are quite tight and you have to have your home has to have suffered damage mm. or you have to have suffered injury yes. uh, so we'll be looking at um, how people qualify for this and, and whether there needs to be some consideration given uh, you know, to if, it, if it's not meeting the needs that people have mm. It's, it's really hard when those things um, happen with the disaster relief. But, look, just uh, I don't want to dwell on it, but going back to what you said about uh, children and the effect of the disasters, you know, it, it, it's correct because if you go, if you scope the last two years, we've had drought, fires, flood, COVID, flood. And, yeah. I mean, when you look at a little person, their home is their safety and that that um you know what do you call it nurture of this family home the safety the environment the parents being without stresses that these these situations have caused it really does upset that basic nurture nature nurture thing of the family home and the safety so I agree with you. We do need to look at what's gone on for the children in our area and not be, not not just have that opinion of, oh, well, it happens all in the school ground because it doesn't happen all in the school ground. It's basic home safety is a really important thing. Yeah, look, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me when I hear you describe it that way. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I think... Yeah, I, I think we can't expect schools to fix everything. I, I met with a wonderful group in Canberra last week, which is where I'm meant to be now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've been given permission, as have MPs from disaster flood-affected areas, yeah. to not be in Parliament, yeah. um, well, at, at least for the next couple of days. If I, yeah. if, if I can get down there at some stage this week, I will. Mm. Uh, but I met with a group who are doing just that and have a special program that are rolling out they, that they've been doing in many of the schools in the Hawkesbury and mm. the Blue Mountains. Mm. Uh, and in fact, we we talked exactly about this, how can things, what, what can you do at a school level? But mm. it isn't going to just be school alone. No. So, uh, you know, a huge shout out to the local schools who take this stuff really seriously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we can't ask them to carry the can on all these issues that are just so profoundly affecting the whole oh. community oh, look it, it, when when you start a subject or anything on mental health you know you're going to get me yakking for a while and yeah. especially when you well, talk well, about it's suicide too politics, uh, a belief that the system wasn't serving mm. people well and yeah that, well you know, you, young people older people veterans there, there are way too many schools oh, in the system. There is, yes. But, I mean, you know, Susan, you think back to when we were kids, okay, and um, when, you know, if you got bullied at school or anything, you came home and you had the safety of the home, right? So yes. we've had that compromised through natural disasters, okay, but we also get it compromised because, and we won't, I know we haven't got time to go on about this, but 
Kids don't escape these days as easily because of the social media that follows them home into the bedroom everywhere because they've got that constant hassle from that. So, you know, when you talk about the safety of the home, it's just so kindred to me to think of the little people and to provide that that, that basic need that we all have. We all have it. We all had it too. Yes, you know, those days of when you and I grew up and, yep. and the only only communication into your house was a landline, yep. probably sitting in a really public place yeah. where everybody heard the conversation yep. that you were having on that phone yep. until they invented those really long extension cords oh, that gotcha. you could take it, take it yeah. away into your room. Yeah. And, you know, that it is very different. Yeah. Uh, I'm always reluctant to put all the blame on on social media because I know my daughter who's now nearly 30 grew mm. up in an age without social media yep. as in, in her primary school years and yet I still there, there was you know she suffered um, significant mental health issues mm. and that was my opening of my mind to how mm. what what seems like a, a perfectly um, you know competent family mm. actually is revealed as a place where there's a child who is really unwell mm. um, you know and that that shocks you to the core as yeah. a parent to discover that yeah so but but yeah I look I, I worry terribly about the effect of social media and mm. um, you know and we talk about being resilient to it and we talk about turning it off uh, but it does give voice to some very nasty elements look, and uh, you know I, I think we're all still trying to work out what the best way is to manage that I it agree is, it is a absolutely a challenge for adults and children but you know i do agree with everything you're saying there and there there is that side of it but i mean the other side is like in a time like we're going through now there's been quite a lot of good information going through on social media that's actually kept people connected so i mean like you i wouldn't go full-heartedly into blaming social um, media for all the problems of bullying and blah 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 i mean to me, it's a combination thing, but each element needs to be addressed for what it does contribute and to be looked at and see, well, okay, so this does this. How can we do this to make it better? And I am an old believer in backdoors. I'm a believer that there's always a way. It depends on the amount of people in there discussing a problem because we all have different ways of looking, different aspects at these things. So, um, you know... I even had uh, David earlier from the SES say that it's great to have seen people jumping onto comments about the situation and easing people because sometimes they can't get there to do those answers. So, you know, there's there's good, good and bad. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Some huge positives and we saw it in the bushfires and we're seeing it in the floods. Mm. So, yeah, you don't want to throw the baby out with bathwater. No. Um, But I think when... Facebook decided to shut down news sites a, oh. a few weeks ago. Mm. That showed us the power they had to yep. be able to um, turn off aspects of it. You know, yep. so hopefully they can use that power for good. And uh, wouldn't it be nice if Facebook was a really a really useful tool as opposed to a, um, a sometimes very problematic and and I have to say damaging uh, forum. Mm. Well, I agree with you. So, you know, it's... But, you know, look, as you say, you're discussing these things. At least, I mean, the people in your electorate know that you've got your finger on the pulse there. It's not going unnoticed. And I think that's very important. 
Well, we try. I mean, I say to people, we find it hard enough to uh, control and, and manage comments on our page, and I'm not doing it alone. I have, uh, you know, I ha- have a couple of staff, and, and for each of them at different times, you know, tries to keep an eye on on comments. But it, it is it is an ongoing challenge. But you're right. Right now, that's the place people should be, keeping an eye open mm. for the latest. FES updates and Bureau yeah. of Meteorology yeah. uh, reports. Yeah. Uh, I my briefing from the FES was a bit earlier than your conversation with David, yeah. uh, but I have to say they they I have they told me about the thirteen metre peak in Windsor. Yeah, and I was standing at the Windsor Bridge this morning for a couple of hours, and it was rising really fast, and then it just seemed to ease off a bit and yeah. didn't keep rising quite as fast. So. Yeah. I haven't been outside now for about an hour or so and I'll mm. go back out and check where things are. But I think we do, if it's Facebook and social media is a good place to be monitoring today. Yeah. Uh, and your local and radio I, station, Susan. <laughs> absolutely. And I always make the point of saying, for very local news, definitely. And yeah. and I, it'd be um, remiss of me as a Member of Parliament not to say that the ABC is also an official broadcaster. Of course. But I think in combination, it is a beautiful combination because you're able to bring very, very local insight mm. to what is happening, mm. which is not possible for, for the national broadcaster no. to do. No. Well, it's where the uh, community radio stations Australia-wide actually complement the ABC and, yeah. you know, in getting a complete story out and personalising to the areas themselves. And I also thank you and everyone that's got on to have a chat with me and any of the other presenters here at Hawkesbury Gold because I believe that when people hear people speaking, yourself, SES, police, um, all of the community, I had Patrick on for the mayor, I believe that they want that because it gives them that ease that it's okay. It just helps. Mm. So. Yeah. Yes, and so, and we have that job of trying to strike the balance of not panicking people, but that's right. certainly asking them to be vigilant. And yeah. then that, that's really what I'd say over the next, you know, certainly the rest of today, overnight, yeah. and and let's mm. see what the morning brings. Yeah. Uh, but people have been. The SES made a point of telling me that people have been pretty good in following their advice and instructions. Yeah. It can be a scary time. Yeah. Communication, text message, social media has connected people. Yeah. So, so it's not, this is not the time for people to switch off yet. No. <laughs> it's not over yet. No, it's not. And we'll follow it through, of course, like we do. And I know you'll be right on to it. And so will everyone else in the community. And a big thank you out to all the volunteers as well. They're doing a magnificent job. I I was mentioning this morning in my SES briefing that I said, look, I haven't crossed paths with a lot of SES volunteers, but I think that's a good sign. Mm. And we we agree that actually at this time you don't really want to see them because if you're seeing them, it's because something big is happening where you are. Um, I did hear, I'll tell you what I did hear this morning. I was checking in with uh, a friend up at Webb's Creek Mm. who had been up all night worrying about horses and the like. And they're telling me that the waters are starting to subside a bit Mm. up there. But in the course of doing all that, he said he's seen a platypus. And and that is just, you know, one of the wonderful things that happen. Sometimes something beautiful happens in a flood. Yeah, uh, to know that these animals, so, such shy creatures, yes, uh, that you still spot them every now and again. Yes. so there's a there's a nice one. That's a lovely way to end. Actually, I think we'll take that. 
Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, look, thank you very much. Uh, you take care of yourself and uh, we'll check in maybe a little bit later, maybe tomorrow or the next day and see how everything's going. Yeah, thanks. And thank you to your commitment for yep. um, making sure people are really well informed. Yep. I'm sure they appreciate it very much. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'll chat to you later then, Susan. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. And, of course, that was uh, Susan Templeman that I've just been talking to uh, regarding the floods and what's going on. And we covered a few subjects there. We got into mental health and uh, we got into children and the safety of children and what the children are the impact of the last two years when you look at it with the uh, drought, fire, awful fire, absolutely catastrophic fire, and then to be followed straight after by a flood that's made the history books and straight after that with COVID. I mean... From a little person's perspective, could you imagine? Could you imagine what that would be like? I couldn't imagine. I, I think it's quite scary. Uh, what do you think?